0: The Viagra Boys operate in a world unique to themselves. They find themselves lumped into a post-punk universe with noisy contemporaries like Idols and the experimental standouts Fontaine's DC. But the boys are neither as loud nor as experimental. They are cunning, sly, and satirical, and their second full-length record, Welfare Jazz, thrives on those descriptions. There are no emphatic statements on this record. Everything sounds as if it were penned with a question mark instead of a period. And it is those questions that make us look inward, and think about the context and the substance of one of the most thought-provoking records of 2021. Welfare and Chance is a subversive look at political commentary without making heavy-handed statements. And for that, it is an art school album. (laughs) My guest today, a repeat guest talking about a repeat artist. He is the second person to hold that honor on this show of talking about the same artist twice in two different episodes. Before I introduce him, if you're thinking, hey, Case, your audio sounds much better than it did last week. Last week, you kind of sounded like shit. You would be correct. I messed up my audio settings last week. And did it bother me for about 10 days straight? Yes, it did. And that is why. I'm happy for everything to be back to normal, and I'm happy to be sending off the Zoom call with my good friend, my guest today, Blaine McBroom. Blaine, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Case. Really excited to be here. Um, honored to be returning, excited to have the opportunity to talk about an artist um, right after they've put out a new project um, and to be revisiting this same artist is uh, so it's special to me. It's special. I hope to you, I think it's, I think it's special for the show. I, I agree, Blaine.
0: I agree. Like I said, you're the second person to have the privilege to talk about an artist twice. Eddie Weisfeld talked about the band idols, uh, both their, their album joys and active resistance. And then Ultramano that they put out last year. You are talking about Viagra boys today. We talked about them on an episode last year blaine i don't know if you know this i don't know if you put this together but last year we did an episode talking about the viagra boys they came out on march 12th 2020 <laughs> this episode that we're recording now will be released on march 11th 2020 one year ago blade we sat down and talked about that how does that make you feel i i'm that i'm beaming right now I'm beaming. Um... so we talked about that we we, we talked about that episode On that episode, we talked about how earlier that day, you had had meat for the first time in a very long time. You ate meat as an act of, dare I say, performance art. Uh, I'm curious, first of all, for people that may have missed that episode, explain exactly what you were doing by, uh, again, eating meat essentially as performance art. And give me the meat report over the past year if you've consumed any in the last 365 days.
1: Sure. Well, I can say confidently I have had no meat in the past 365 days. Um, But a little over a year ago, I did eat a rotisserie chicken in the name of uh, performance art. It was an assignment. It was in the name (laughs) of an assignment. Um, (laughs) um, Yes, I've had no meat in the last year. Um... And I did eat a chicken to, uh, to prove a point about change and identity and um,
0: change and identity. Change and identity. And it was a risk-based assignment. You took a risk. We talk about change in identity, Blaine. I've been asking a lot of people lately, oh, what has changed for you in the past year? How are you holding up? But I have never had the exact demarcation point of exactly a year. I feel like when we sat down to record that episode, we recorded it in my dorm room that I moved out of abruptly about two weeks later. We had just finished playing pickup basketball, which was the last time I did that. Over the past year, how have you been doing? How have you been holding up? How are you doing now?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. Quarantine was an abrupt change for all of us and it um, totally changed the way that I behaved. Um, I was the kind of person that if I was stressed out or just like not doing well, my initial reaction and my instinct was always to surround myself with a group of people. I was like, I'm not doing well. I don't want to think about it. I just want to be around my friends. Um, And it was not the best defense mechanism. I mean, it was like, it was like, um, I was procrastinating on like being in a relationship with myself um, and navigating my ups and downs on my own. And um, this forced isolation has really allowed me to engage with um, that response. And um, for better or worse, I am like more comfortable handling my bad days alone um, with like journaling and, and uh, productive self-care. So, um, I've learned a lot about myself in a year and I have, um, taken like a good look at my behaviors and my habits and, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I feel like I'm pretty stuck in, in the routine right now in terms of like class and work and trying to balance that with taking care of myself. But, um, you know, as mundane as things have kind of become in quarantine, like I keep myself pretty well entertained and, you know, I'm, I'm really balancing like me time and work time.
0: I think that's great, Blaine. I think that's a very good way of looking at things. I think you took proper inventory of yourself and found a way to improve upon it. I am certainly feeling the mundane aspect of things. It's a little bit different because I'm still kind of at a new location. I was in Lincoln Park over the weekend though. I was going to the bookstore, relax. Uh, I wasn't going crazy. Uh, And I got off the train, Fullerton Red Line, you know it well. And I was like, holy shit, I took the same path. I walked the same four mile route almost every single day, weather permitting from August to December every single day and then dropped it you know when i moved and it just like it hit me it's like oh my god i'm gonna look back at that time period it's like that was kind of dark that was just the literally the same thing every single day and i'm sort of falling into patterns here but now as we record this on march 7th of 2021 uh the the vaccine news is tremendous uh and i i feel like I, I, we're almost underrating just how good some of the information that's coming out is. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, I'm starting to think like, hey, like, I'll be seeing people relatively soon in my life. Like, this is exciting. So it's, a, it's certainly a light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to talk about change in identity for just a second. I like asking you this question because I feel like if I asked you this every six months, you would always give me a different answer. And that's not a dig at all. I I, I like that about you because I think you're constantly evolving. We just talked about the year we've had. Uh, Blaine, if you could even dare to think about a year in the future, what do you think that looks like for you? And I ask you this because prior to COVID, you were uh, someone I always looked at as someone that was doing a lot of stuff, making a lot of things, pumping out, dare I say, content, and over the past year, we haven't exactly had a ton of chances to do that. I'm curious if you lost that spark, and maybe your interest drifted elsewhere. What are you hoping to do within the next year, assuming by, say, May or June, we can live our lives somewhat normally? It's a great question. I am definitely...
1: Um, I mean, I'm. I'm really anticipate I I don't know what to expect I don't know what to anticipate I don't know how I will I don't know how I will engage with the real world again you know (laughs) like I don't know if I'm going to want to kind of maintain the lifestyle that I've been living even as the world like Starts to reopen. I mean, that's certainly where I'm at now. Like, I do not go to restaurants. I do not. I'm not.
0: Yeah. You don't Uh, go to restaurants, but if you want updates on deliveries, Blaine McBroom's Twitter, full of DoorDash banter. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Case. Yeah. um, So I'm not sure when I'll go to a show again. Like, I'm not sure when I'll be performing again. I, um... I look forward to things opening up and I think my, um, you know, I will find, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the calling, you know, wherever, wherever I feel like excited to be and called to be, that's where I'll go. Um, but I think it's definitely going to be gradual. Like, um, I, I will not be the first person to be doing improv again. Uh, I'll take my sweet time. And I think that's good for me to like take time and assess things before jumping in.
0: That's probably a change that I've made in the last year. So that's good. That's good. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it honestly, because I don't know what your truthful answer to this is, but let's take a look at March 11th, 2022 is blaine mcbroom living in chicago
1: that's the hope um like i said you know we'll see how things open i know for sure like i want to see it you know i yeah. want to see the theaters recover i want to see that there are improv shows again i'll probably know who's in them and i want to see that group you know like um so yeah i'm hoping to be in chicago for a while um i i I uh, I have like some interest in LA, but uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to play life on double speed, you know. I'm comfortable here in Chicago. I'll do what I want here, and when I've when I've squeezed that uh, lemon for all the lemonade I can make, I'll move to California or something. Um, but I'll be in Chicago for a minute.
0: Well, a tremendous metaphor, Blaine. Very well done there. Uh, as it's we, original. You know, that's an original metaphor. It's a Blaine McBrew mm-hmm. original. Off the top of the dome, that's what I like about you. I- I'm curious, as you talk about sort of your self-assessment and perhaps ways you coped or healed within this past year, you are someone who I feel like when you were on the show the last time, I was talking about how you are having a bit of a musical renaissance and how you were discovering all of these new bands getting really into music for the first time, then I feel like maybe that, maybe that died down a little bit, or at least I heard less about it over the past few months. Though a lot, bad. a lot of texts from blade asking me about bands asking me to check out this song has music yeah. acted as any sort of therapeutic measure now that you can't necessarily surround yourself with people at all times. It's a
1: great way to put it. And, um, yeah, I can't say you're wrong. I mean, <laughs> I it's like it's certainly something to look forward to every week with so much time alone, you know. I've always I always have my headphones to keep me company and it always gives me something to think about that isn't whatever my stupid anxious little head is spiraling around already. So, it gives me something to focus on. I I am having a, a revisit to my musical renaissance exploration of what's out. I had someone ask me recently, what kind of music do you listen to? And Ooh, a loaded I, question when you ask one
0: Blaine McBroom.
1: <laughs> it is a loaded question, and I felt like such a douchebag with the <laughs> answer. I feel like the worst kind of person, because I was, and to be honest, like, I've been thinking about this question because I knew it was something that we would be talking about today. Um, and I've realized that I listen to music the way people read the newspaper. Please explain you read today's newspaper. And when you've read it, it goes on a stack. And then the next day you read the news, the new newspaper. Um, so I don't have like, oh, these are old albums that came out a long time ago that are really significant to me. Like, I didn't have that in my youth, so I don't have that now. And so now, Every week, every Friday, when the albums drop, I listen to a couple podcasts and I go through a couple playlists of what's new today. I take songs that catch my ear and I put them on a, I put the album on a separate playlist and then I'll listen all the way through those albums. It is a wide range of music. If there is a death, I hate death metal, but if there is a death metal track that is interesting enough, that I'm like, this could be good death metal. It'll go on the playlist and I will, I will give it the time to
0: listen through it. Um, yeah. So who are the artists right now that are cashing your ear? I know we texted a few days ago about the band rap boys. I know we've talked a little bit about tiger's jaw yeah. other than the Viagra boys who were just about to talk about. What are some of the artists that have really made an impression on you in 2021?
1: Um, there are a couple that I'm, I have really exciting projects coming out. Um, Sam Dew is probably at the top of my list right now. Um, He's he's co-written and produced a a lot of music with Rihanna um, and he just put out his solo album. He's a Chicago artist. Um, It's uh, R&B, hip hop. Um, The album is called Moonlit Fools and I think it's a really great project. I recommend that one to everyone. Um, Katie Kirby put an album out called Cool Dry Place. Um, totally different vibe. It's like singer songwriter um, with probably like a five-piece band on most of the songs. Um, it's in like the, I'd put it in the, I don't know if Smoke... Was Smoke Signals
0: the album, or is it just the song? Did that was know? a song by Phoebe Bridgers off the album that Stranger album. in the Alps.
1: Yeah. I, it's, like, in that ballpark. Not so much as Punisher. Punisher's a different tone. Um, so, Katie Kirby's new album is in that, like... Kind of like the Beths, too, which I really like.
0: Yeah, Blaine. Big fan of the Beths.
1: Big fan of the Beths. Need to need to get back to their new album. Uh, Goat Girl. If you haven't already listened to the new Goat Girl album, you should check that out. It's good. Um, uh, new EP. This is the last one I'll mention, but there's a new EP um, from Simon Spine. They're a new band to me, but I think it's a really great
0: EP. Yeah. Well, Blaine, all I have to say to that is on March 16th, the band Fiddlehead is putting out a new single, and we will be in touch because I will want your thoughts on that. But we are here today to talk about the band Viagra Boys. We are talking about their album Welfare Jazz which came out on January 8th, 2021. It is 13 songs, clocking it at 40 minutes. And Blaine, I want to ask you a question before we break down the album. We talk about the tracks. Big picture, general question. Do you find this album to be political in nature?
1: Um, Not as much as Street Worms. And that's something that I really like about this album is... Um, Viagra Boys, like many of the foreign punk bands, um, are capable of doing smart, um, witty satire. This album takes it a step further. It is not a general um, critique through a satirical lens. It is like a, it is a case study on one character and they, rather than exploring like societal and political issues, they explore very personal issues and um, what it takes to change. They explore that and all of this with the same wit and skill um, through what, what I've been calling a character album. I've, I've been describing this as, as a character album because I think the album really focuses on one character and one like dynamic change that we see in this character, which I think is a huge strength in an album is to incorporate some sort of narrative all the way through And so um, I'm really excited by this album because I think it's an album that tells a story with a dynamic character, and I love that.
0: It's a very interesting way of looking at this record. I had not necessarily put all of that together. Now, a lot of that is just going to be this band. I think they are incredibly talented at what they do. What they do goes over my head, though. It's... Uh, just knowing you as well as I know you, I listen to this album. It's like, yeah, of course, Blaine likes this like this. Of course, this makes total sense. Uh, it was at times a little harder to grasp for me. And I do think I, I lean more towards uh, this perhaps being a political statement, even if it's coded an irony as being Uh, Political in nature. And I, in the Pitchfork review, says that, and I I echoed a lot of the thoughts that were written there as well. But I talked on the show a few months ago. I talked with Jonathan Hernandez, who is the singer for the band that Time Shares, great punk band. And we were talking about how punk music and the Viagra Boys, you know, maybe sonically don't share a ton with them, but I think there's a similar ethos there. You can put them into some sort of punk subgenre, whatever it may be. Uh, We were talking about just in punk music how over the past four years with the Trump administration, it was so just over the top and so absurd. We don't know if there was really any good uh, protest or political music out there simply because like, you just you, like, what are you going to do? Like you just, yeah. he was the, he was the parody. And I feel like this album did it in a, in a successful way. And I want to get your perspective. I I gave, the comedic side of things, and I was talking to John Hernandez, he was talking about the music side of things. You are a better comedian than I am, so I will I will ask you quickly, you know, doing any sort of political commentary over the past four years, did you find it to be an uphill battle just because of the stuff that you were trying to uh, satirize in a way?
1: Something that I have found in my own art making process and something that I've come to learn and believe about art in general is you can make really small points exploring really big issues or you can make really big points exploring small issues. And um, I think trying to, you know, use satire to explore really big, complicated issues right now, you're really only allowed or it, it only allows you to say one thing. I can make clear that I feel this way about this issue. And it's kind of limiting. It's also it's not it's not that it's not admirable, but it's like you're you're probably telling something to your audience that they already knew about you. Like, oh, this comedian has this opinion on this issue they probably didn't need to say anything about it that was such that was the vaguest sentence i've ever (laughs) said you
0: you didn't name any names you didn't name any topics and thus nobody can be bothered by what you just said they can only be upset at the lack of stuff you did there um
1: so i think i think something this this album does that is a strength um in art is to explore something very specific and explore something very small that you know very well and to really shine like a very bright light on a small aspect of your own struggle or your own experience allows you to project a much broader
0: picture of who you are and how you feel. Very well said. Well, with that in mind, it is Viagra Boys. It is Welfare Jazz. It is the first song on the album. I Ain't Nice. Ain't nice.
1: I Ain't Nice. I Ain't
0: Nice. Blaine, I found to be a shockingly great song. Really? I, th- I think with a band like this, you know, when I go into this album, I am looking for one or two songs that really connect with me. And to me, that is a win. Because again, uh, this is a band, and we talked about this last time, I, I I would throw an industrial label on them. I don't know if they would take offense to that, but they certainly fall into a bit noisier and a bit more experimentive than I typically prefer. So I want their songs that are straightforward, that are straight ahead. I think I Ain't Nice is the best song on the album. Uh, and it kicks things off with a bang. How do you feel about it?
1: I, um, I think it makes a lot of sense being at the top of, of the album. Um, and it makes sense that it can exist as a standalone track. I think one, um, I mean, call it a strength or a weakness of the album. There are not a lot of individual tracks that make sense on
0: their own. Um, how and, do you feel about the sequencing of this record? Would you have perhaps moved anything around or do you think it works as one coherent piece?
1: That's a great question. I think it, uh, it kind of has to be in the order that it's in um, for the, the narrative to be clear. I also, like, there are, there like, uh, Coldplay is the second track um, and, oh, Six Shooter. Secret Canine Agent, there are a number of songs, sorry, there are a number of tracks on the album that are like a break from the narrative, Um, but they're not really, even still, like they don't quite stand alone, they're instrumental or they're like about something completely, it's just Canine Agent is about like something totally- Yeah,
0: it just doesn't fit in uh, with the themes of the album, with the sound of the album, it's a song completely unto itself.
1: So, in terms of the arrangement of the tracks, I think they are they were pretty intentional about giving you a break at certain moments from this overall story. Um, going back to Ain't Nice, this is the exposition to the narrative. This is the introduction of the character. This is the introduction to the persona that Sebastian Murphy has on this album. Um, a persona needs exaggeration and clear character depiction for the audience to hold on to it. We need an understanding of the status quo. And so we need to get a good idea of who this guy is that the album is about. And that's why the title is Ain't Nice. This guy ain't nice. He's <laughs> a not nice guy. That's his thing. Um, and, and something else is this guy is weird. He's not, cause he is like this, I'm kind of cool. I'm not nice. I'm an asshole. Like he has that attitude, but the things that he's saying, <laughs> I have a collection of vintage calculators. If you don't like it, babe, I'll see you later. I'm not nice. Like he is weird and eclectic and not as cool as he thinks he is. This, um, this caricature, this persona is so exaggerated so that we know what kind of asshole we're dealing with. And I think he makes it really clear and I think he does it really well.
0: This is a brief aside because I know somebody that you live with is a big fan of this band. What is your familiarity with the band The Talking Heads? Um,
1: I mean, I don't understand them as well as Caleb. I, uh, I love their, I love all the hits. I love everything that I hear now from them. I like their musical style. They're obviously innovative. And there was a whole battle of like, what is this new genre when they went toe to toe with, black flag? Am I... Mm, mm, no, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say... What were, what were the two at the time that it was like your talking heads or your... What I was the other say- attitude of punk music? I they not They get really into this in the movie 20th Century Women, which I recommend
0: to everyone. Well, okay, that... Okay, that makes your black flag statement much clearer. I guess okay. it, the, the, the black flag... Talking Heads rivalry is very much played up in 20th century women, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, and I believe it is still on Netflix. I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I, yes. Okay. I see where watch you're coming your from parents. now. Watch that movie with your mom. Don't watch that movie with your parents. Watch that movie alone. Uh, but it was like, We disagree. We disagree. <laughs> we disagree. And Hey, that's what makes this country great. You and I can sit on uh, opposite uh, sides of the table. I don't like
1: where you took this. You should have said that's what makes the podcast great and our friendship so strong
0: all right Uh, where were you black flag Well, yeah talking heads Heads are like this art punk band that like i would consider like preppy kids and yuppies to listen to and black flag was the prototype of a hardcore band and they were actually fucking real and they actually had something to say whereas i think talking heads are primarily talking about a bunch of gobbledygook a bunch of nonsense i've never really understood them
1: they're 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 da doobop bop boo-weep. Um, there's always just is, too much going on. A, it is a a whole avenue of satire is stupid, stupid gobbledygook.
0: Well, I asked be- ask you because I, I figure at some point in your life, Talking Heads will click with you, and you will suddenly become a massive, massive Talking Heads fan on the same level that you are a Viagra Boys fan. We go to, there's these little... And I yes. saw, what was um, what was the name of the HBO special? I did not watch it because it involved David Byrne, so I do not know. Okay. okay.
1: Well, I had my own issues with it, but we don't need to get into it.
0: <laughs> There's these little vignettes on this album. One of them is Coldplay. Uh, Blaine, I, do you have anything you need to say here? Because I do not. I could move on unless you really have something to say.
1: I said it's like a title card follows the cold open. I think Ain't Nice is the cold open. And then, like I said, there are breaks in this album and Coldplay to me is one of those breaks. I think we get an introduction of character, we get a break with Coldplay and then moving into Toad, we actually see this character in an environment that is pertinent to the narrative, which is like him in the morning at someone's house.
0: Well, Blaine, uh, looking at the opening track as a cold open is a tremendous way of looking at this album, and I had not entirely put that together the way you did, but I do feel like with what comes next on the album, which is Toad, it is truly living up to the welfare jazz concept, and I don't know what that means to you. I don't even really know what it means to me, but I listen to a song like this, and I think, yeah, that sounds like welfare jazz. Um, Yeah, I don't quite get
1: the title either and I was just listening to an interview with Sebastian Murphy and he was he was talking about the title but they mostly you know um the interviewer assumed that it had something to do with quarantine and various stipends um but Welfare Jazz was actually recorded pre-quarantine um, which I found out uh, from the interview. I don't I don't quite know what the title means to me.
0: What does it mean to you? It sounds like it made sense for this song. It certainly makes sense when I just take the sounds that are in this album. There's a lot of brassy tones that are kind of introduced throughout this record. And, you know, I associate brassy tones with jazz music and I associate the Viagra Boys. And, I, and we'll talk about it, especially as we continue on with this album as being... I think meticulously messy while also I, I, I don't know if that helps them at all. And there's uh, kind of a, a critique of this band I'll give. And then a major compliment of this band I'll give, because I do think they sort of go hand in hand with one another. But, you know, for me, I think the album starts really hot. You get, you know, your title card and Coldplay. Uh, Toad was the first song I had an issue with and it continues into, into the sun Mm -hmm. where I found the mix of this record to be a little off-putting. I don't think the drums sound great. I think the purposefully distorted vocals, these vocals that are peeking out through their speakers, it wasn't, It wasn't enjoyable. It sounded messy. It sounded disjointed. And obviously a band of this stature, it's done purposefully, but it didn't resonate with me. How do you feel about that?
1: Um, I totally understand what you're talking about. And I have a note about this um, on Into the Sun. Um, Into the Sun is the first track where the vocals take a heavy backseat to what I called the rhythm of reality. Ooh, Um, So I think on Ain't Nice and Toad... We'll get to this old dog in a second. (laughs) Um, I think on Ain't Nice and Toad, um, Sebastian is very... Like the lyrics are very prevalent. His tone is very prevalent at the front of the mix because these are his self-centered songs. Um, and when we get into Into the Sun, it's not about his perception of himself as much. It's a little less arrogant. He's starting to become reflective. And so I think it's like it's like giving you an overhead view of this character instead of one where he's holding the camera and pointing it at himself.
0: I will say this, Bled. You are doing a tremendous job of giving me things that I had not thought about with this record. Uh, very well said. You mentioned that you had something to say on This Old Dog, which which comes a little bit before Into the Sun. It's another one of the vignettes on this album, which just, I, I have no thoughts on them. I did not pay them really any mind at all, but it sounds like you did.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I there's like, there's something, I have, I was listening to this album a lot this week And there were days where I was like, am I really about to get on record and defend this album (laughs) that is very provocative, like intentionally controversial. There are things about, when I first heard it, and like I said, this is an album that you should listen to top to bottom because it's about a piece of shit becoming a a somewhat decent person. And it's about this internal change. So when I first heard it, I was really, like, confused and almost disappointed and frustrated at the Viagra Boys that they would put out something like Toad that's so, like, misogynistic. And I was just like, what is the point of what they're saying? Because I know that they're smart. So where's the payoff in this, um, in this exaggerated Persona. There are things about this album that I have a hard time defending, um, and one of them is something that uh, Pitchfork really laid into in their review of the album, and that's like the the impression on this old dog is uh, Pitchfork said racially loaded, which I see what they're doing. I see the trope that um, that the song kind of plays on and i don't like that i think where it fits in the narrative the song's point it's kind of an inciting incident it's like kind of a an oracle or a spiritual like otherworldly figure it's almost like puts a curse or some sort of conviction on the character um something about this the 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 um, the percussion in this it's like tribal.
0: Mm, okay, yeah, I can I can um, see. It. Okay, I follow now.
1: Yeah, um, so I think it's like an oracle character um, who kind of comes in, and you know, we've just been introduced to this shitty character, and I think the oracle is kind of like this character is about to go through something.
0: I understand what you're saying i think i fall or i know i fall on the side of art has no responsibility to be morally correct if it is presented as if bad things are presented as being bad i see no i see no fault in that and i and i think that is shifting a little bit i i know just from my job and uh, you know just observing art as it is the 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 panic button is right there on a lot of people and they really i I just i've been very intrigued because i i have had the thesis since 2016 when you know culture spiked and everybody was really on edge for four years it's like yeah everybody take a deep breath because assume you know assuming what happened happened which is four years later we were able to kind of restart you know I think everybody's going to relax a little bit and I think you're going to start seeing boundaries be pushed more. And Are you talking about the Trump administration? I am. Okay. Sorry. I was just, I,
1: you know, there's, a, there's a lot that happened in 2016 and I want to make sure that you're I was uh, not
0: talking I about the death of David Bowie. Happened. I was talking about the Trump administration, uh, but no, I just, I, you know, everybody was really on edge for four years and rightfully so. I think as time will go on, We'll start to see some people take some deep breaths. We'll start to have not artistic leeway, because I don't think anybody was uh, handcuffed and unable to do what they were going to do. But I do think people were very, very quick to push back whenever stuff made them uncomfortable. And I think as we go throughout, you know, hopefully the next year, uh, assuming live events come back in some capacity as we go forward, I think people will be much more relaxed again uh, because I see the story... That the Viagra Boys are trying to tell. I see where Pitchfork pushed back on it. I see where it made you uncomfortable, and I was sitting here going like, "I'm going to let this play out. I, I'm not bothered by the way it's presented." But that's that's also uh just me. Is there anything you have to say on that before we talk about this back half of the record?
1: um I don't think so. I I, I would say that um, effective satire um, requires discomfort. Um, if If it's not making you uncomfortable, then it's probably not doing its job. Now, just because it makes you uncomfortable does not mean it's good. If if it doesn't do its job, then it means it's bad. And the more uncomfortable you are, the bigger a risk they're taking. And, you know, taking risks is part of making art. It's a big part of what makes strong art is what was the risk and how do you justify it? And it's that justification that's really like, do you earn the risks that you're taking with what you're trying to say? And I think that's, um, going back to what we were saying earlier, that's why it's so important to um, focus on issues that are specific and personal to you, um, rather than trying to write about broad, um, colossal challenges. Way down. jobs yeah we don't bother to pay our bills or go to work or get to places on time
0: the song creatures I think takes us back to almost what I would call a more familiar Viagra boy sound I think this could have belonged on the last record that we talked about with them and here's where I will say I do think this band is woefully positioned in the wrong period of time I wish they had come uh, come across 20 years earlier, I wish they would have had videos in rotation on MTV. And I wish they would have been in an era where I think music was a little more thought provoking and pop music was a little bit more experimental because I do think they would have succeeded in that environment. They remind me, of the band Cake, who sing Short Skirt, Long Jacket, The Distance, yeah. yada, yada. They're like if Cake had a heroin addiction. And I think that is uh, kind of the way I would summarize the Viagra Boys. And Creature for me was a return to form, one that one that I enjoyed just because I was a little bit more familiar with what they were going for here. Where do we stand on this track?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think um, Creatures was one of the singles that came out earlier. Um, it's one of the music videos that I think is like kind of predominantly showcased if you search the album. Um, Something, I think you're totally right. I think uh, like tracks on welfare jazz that could make sense on street worms, Creatures is at the top of the list. Um, It is one of the few standalone tracks on the album. Um, And uh, at the same time, something that I really like about it is when I listened to it, I was like, "This is what is most. This is what reminds me most of their old sound." And comparing the two, I can I can see and hear major progressions in, um, in their art making. Like the tone of it is a lot cleaner than most of their music. It's not as chaotic and messy. Um, the there's, there's not the same like constant noise that the majority of their music has, which can make it difficult to listen to. Um, and so I was really excited to find this track that on one hand reminded me of what I really like about their music. And on the other hand showed that they are maturing as a group. They are still developing, um, Not in a, like, we're still finding our sound, but in a, like, we know we can do that. Let's see where we can go. Um, I think this was a really nice progression and kind of a maturity that might have addressed some of the issues that people had with um, how chaotic and noisy their sound is.
0: From there, we go to a trio of songs, a cluster here with Six Shooter, Best in Show 2, and Secret Canine Agent. We talked earlier about Secret Canine Agent, how it really diverts from the overall narrative that this album is otherwise attempting. Six Shooter is four minutes and 50 seconds of noise. It is not technically an instrumental because there are some soft lyrics in there, but it is is primarily an instrumental track. And Best in Show 2 is another one of these vignettes that we heard on the first record we talked about with this band, one that we heard earlier in this album. In that cluster there, Blaine, is there anything you have to say? Uh, to go back to creatures for a second, um, in the in the
1: narrative, I think creatures is like this exodus. Um, to me, the um, the the style, the tone of it, or whatever, it really has like a walking around and reflecting um, sound. And in the music video, it it follows this idea of him just like walking around and causing chaos wherever he goes. And um, uh, I think it's his like, the the start of his self-improvement and this recognition that I live with these people at the bottom, we don't drink water, we come out late at night and look for things that we might one day need. Like we rummage through the, the trash, we're garbage people. Um, this is the start of his shifting of him doing this personal work. He's not quite doing the work yet, but he's recognizing and and giving validity to the kind of lifestyle that he's living. Um, six shooter, we get another break. We get a, a nice break to kind of sit with what happened in Creatures. Best of show two, um... I said, sometimes we love our messy. Um, he is, he's recognizing that he's living a shitty life. Um, it's not as well articulated as a song. It's still, it's like him coming to grips with this. Um, oh, uh, so he's speaking th- through this exaggerated persona about like his dog. Um, which is where Best in Show 1 came from. And Best in Show 1 was like this more societal, anti-elite critique. Best in Show 2 is more about him as an individual. Um, I think it puts a little more distance in the work. It separates the... It's like the character looking at himself through this lens. Um, And he wrote like... He can kick and scream and cry if he wants to. He's unique, he's individual, but ultimately he is alone. And that's something that this album, this is a real turning point. Um, He's recognizing like, yes, he's unique and he's an individual, but he doesn't drink water. He kicks and screams and pitches a fit. And he's lonely, like this is not sustainable, this, this persona this person this asshole it's it's really not good it's not good for me um and i think you know the distortion and the weird voice and all of that is more distance
0: yeah no i I would i would totally agree with that then that takes us to secret canine unit secret canine agent yes which i which i feel like we we touched on but by all means whatever else you have to say
1: I said this is, um, it's a, I think best in show is like what you'd get right before before intermission. It's like your low point. Um, And then secret canine agent is like the big glitz and glam number uh, that like gets you back into the story, uh, but isn't quite the story itself. Um, So it's standalone. It's a break from the narrative. It's like the start of act two.
0: There's one song on this album that really didn't click with me at all, and that was I Feel Alive. I would like to hear this band do a movie score. I think that would be super intriguing, but this song sounded like it would be the theme song to a Disney villain. I thought it was super corny. It did not mesh with me at all. Am I off base here? And if I am, please defend this song for me.
1: Um, I... You're not wrong. I see where your opinion comes from. And it is because you're straight edge. <laughs> um, because I feel I feel alive is a song about going 48 hours without drugs and being like, holy shit, sobriety has made me like a real person again. Um, which is something that case you're lucky enough to not fully understand i don't get it (laughs) um but when you're really hooked on something and you get a break from it um it's like really empowering you feel alive you're like i thought i was so dependent on this vice and i'm actually able to function without it and like it's it's like, breaking that cycle makes you feel alive again. And, um, and so I get why you don't get it. Um, it also, it's like, it's like uh, too good too fast. You think, oh, I didn't do drugs for 48 hours. I'm good, I'm on top of it. This will never be a problem again. But you're really still a wreck. Like, you haven't gotten it all together yet. Um, It's like, oh, I did it. I did it, right? I'm good. I'm good now. I'm good, right? But you're not. Um, uh, I said improvement sucks, but it's worth it. And I think that is what I feel alive is for this character. He's like, I'm having a really hard time getting better, but I'm trying to remind myself that I feel alive right now. And that is better than feeling numb. So.
0: We close out the record with three tracks and Blaine, that was very well said, but we close out the record with three tracks. One of them being Girls and Boys, which is not a cover of the Blur song that I talked about just a few weeks ago with Carson Bartholomew on the Blur Park Life episode. No, this was Girls and Boys by the Viagra Boys. I will say I don't have a ton of thoughts on this song. I thought it was... Uh, a pedestrian perfectly acceptable viagra boys song it had the sound that i would expect from them i didn't dig too deep into it i thought yes this is a song from a band i recognize it's not bad but it's not exactly what i'm jumping to
1: yeah it still has their chaos it still has his well it kind of uh it brings back his like chortling for one, (laughs) for one last time. Um, He keeps saying uh, this fucked up world keeps spinning round. Sometimes man, I feel so alone. And I think it's kind of in that same vein as I feel alive. It's like, I have these troubles. I still have this like side of me that is, an asshole, um, but like I'm really coming to grips with where my issues are coming from, and I'm trying to fix them. And then it it has a little bit of that special Viagra Boys, um, which is, you know, he's shouting like, girls, boys, and then my favorite, shrimp. they, they, um, it's that Razzle Dazzle.
0: It is the Viagra Boys Razzle Dazzle.
1: It's that special, unexpected, what the hell are they singing about? Razzle Dazzle. It's very talking heads. Um, it's very Sebastian Murphy.
0: I like it. It's good. We go from a song where we ask ourselves, what the hell are they singing about? to a song where listening to it for the first time, I thought, Where did the Viagra boys go? Who took their place? What is this? This is such a drastic departure from anything I have heard from this band. It is to the country, which I will draw the immediate comparison of this song sounds almost identical to Spring Break 1899 by the band Murder by Death. It is a wild, dark departure. It is a crazy penultimate track to this album. I was stunned when I heard this. Her eyes
1: are red, it looks like she's been up all night. I met her by the water, that's where she spends most her time. And I wish she knew she don't have to party to hang out. You know I do other things and rambling around.
0: But I'm curious as someone that is such a fan of this band, Blaine, What did this do for you? Because this is not quite a a country-western song or a folk song, but it certainly has that influence to it. Yeah. Um,
1: Sebastian Murphy loves... He did a lot of research in uh, country music for this album. Uh, And by that, I just mean he listen
0: kind of <laughs> you, you probably watched the ken burns documentary on country yeah. music too and then he cool. listened to some country music and that certainly comes up with what closes out the album but as for this song your thoughts on it
1: um i think it is different than um most of their music but it, they it's their music and like their influence is still on it it's uh it's really cinematic this song it's got this swelling saxophone, the the tone is really different. Um, and it makes me think of like the sun coming up on a new day and, and I'm imagining Sebastian Murphy like out in a field with overalls, you know, they've like plucked him from the garage of punk world and <laughs> put him in a barley field. And he's just like, man, life is easier away from all this stress and pain. Um, yeah, it's very country. Um, Sebastian Murphy said in an interview that if he uh, did a solo album, it would be a country album, which I think is really cool. I would um, like to hear that. I would, too. Um, but I think in terms of the narrative, um, we are supposed to think that it, it's, just, it's he's sincere about this change that he wanted to make, and it seems like the the tone of the music and that swelling saxophone and the, the cinematic nature of all of it leads me to believe that this character might might he might have just done it he might have just changed um, from the asshole to like a decent person and he's saying like I you know everything about um, everything in Toad that he was saying like I don't want this kind of life. I don't want things. I don't want to settle down into the country. Where at the end of the album, he's gone through the change and he's like, "I think I have these problems, and what I need to do is settle down and like quit being an ass, quit making trouble all the time." Um, he says, "You know, just live out on the country. You, me, the dogs, and no drugs to bring us down." that's a huge change for this character to like, you know, in I Feel Alive, he's like admitted that he's trying to do it without it and to the country, some time has passed. And he's like, yeah, drugs were really a big problem. That's a huge realization for this character. Um, And he's saying, I wanna live like normal people, which is like a beautiful transformation coming from I ain't nice. You don't want to be around me. I don't want to help myself. Don't try to help me. And now he's saying like, I've made poor choices. I should live calm. I should be normal. I should take a break and relax.
0: That meant a lot to me um, listening to it. It's a really nice way to conclude what I feel is the narrative portion of this album it is it is is why in the beginning when things were a little rocky when they were certainly perhaps dipping into some some overtones that uh, could scare people i gave them the benefit of the doubt i said let me see how this plays out in the end it played out very nicely i think good prevailed over evil and then that leads us to the final song on the album which is another uh, total departure and this is a john prine cover this is in spite of ourselves I'm curious, before I get your thoughts on the song, uh, Blaine, what is your knowledge of John Prine? Um,
1: I am, the first John Prine album that I was introduced to was Tree of Forgiveness. Gotcha. Um, And, you know, a beautiful album, a a masterwork. And, yeah, so that was my introduction. I was like, who's this sweet, sweet old man, (laughs) you know? And then, so it was exciting for me to learn more about John Prine and learn about, you know, how he started, which is crazy. He was like a busser at an open mic who just started like playing songs consistently. And people were like, your music is amazing. Your songwriting is good. You know how to play guitar really well. And then you know like listening to tree of forgiveness and it's just beautiful i love john prine i'm uh i'm so sad that he's died um but i think um uh oh that when i get to heaven song is beautiful i listened to it the morning that i heard he had passed away i was like this guy's gonna drink a cocktail uh vodka and ginger ale he's gonna smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long i i love john prine
0: um i will say this i have no thoughts on this cover i love that they did it i didn't i don't feel like cr- uh critically analyzing a cover of someone that had just recently passed away so it was you know it was yeah. fine for what it was i will tell you this blaine john prine's first album self-titled the song, Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. That is the song you need to listen to coming out of this. That is your homework assignment. Again, Fiddlehead's going to put out a single in a week. I'll text you that. Your I Flag Decal Won't Get break. You into, uh, Yes, Spring Break, 1899 by Murder by Death. And John Prine, Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. Those are the songs you should take away from this podcast. Blaine, we have successfully reviewed broken down you have done such a brilliant job of breaking down welfare jazz if i say so myself i am curious from you my final question as we put a bow on this episode this album that received a 7.2 from pitchfork among others it's a band that you care about it's a band you have an emotional connection to think about that concoct a conclusion a conclusion in your brain who needs to hear this album and why Mm,
1: that's a great question
0: uh, I think
1: I think anybody who is living the ain't nice life needs to listen to this album um, uh, They talked about this album on sound opinions which is a, a Chicago music podcast that I like and um, you know they are too punk rock critics and they know that this misogynistic asshole persona is something that a lot of people in the punk rock scene admire and it's like it's a shitty persona and it's something that they aspire to be and i think if that's where you're at you should listen to it i also think if the song creatures speaks to you um this album's for you that was a big hook for me because it made me think of me and my bike messenger friends who like dig through the trash and like trade in stolen bike. we don't steal bikes but that's you know part of the song is like we are people who are trying to get by um on the fringes of society and i think that. This album's for those guys, Um, and it's for me,
0: too. Who would you recommend this album to, Case? Well, you know, Blaine, we live in a society, and I think (laughs) anybody on the fringes of society, anyone that is perhaps feeling a little gross, either with themselves or with the world, I think Welfare Jazz is going to be an album that provides them with a lot of comfort. Blaine, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast for your second time. Uh, this was a very fun episode. I feel like I need to go back and listen to this album because there were things that you mentioned that I really hadn't thought about. So bravo to you. Before you get out of here, is there anything you would like to plug? Um,
1: I don't have anything to plug right now. I would plug my Twitter, but you mentioned it at the beginning. Um, at but it's been, sweeps more, McBroom. been relatively inactive as of late. Um, but I'm hoping to get back on the bike and, uh, get back on Twitter soon. (laughs) Get back on the bike and start
0: tweeting again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to tweet from the road when the, when the time returns. Um, case, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm always honored. Um, I had a great time.
0: Thank you, Blaine. Well, like I said, Blaine is on Twitter at sweepsmcbroom. I am on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore k slow c a s e l w e. And if you want updates on the podcast itself, but not my life, which I totally understand, podcast comes out every Thursday. You can rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen, and the podcast is on Instagram at art school albums. Blaine has his hand up, like maybe he has a question. Well, I was just also
1: gonna say I do post. Most of the music that I'm listening to on Instagram. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram as well. It's Blaine McBee. Um, I'll, I'll keep you entertained with uh, what's in my
0: queue. <laughs> Thank you for that, Blaine. Thank you for being on the show. This has been the Viagra Boys Welfare Jazz, and this has been the Art School Albums Podcast.